am Gary, and this is episode 112 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at living with a car that has a relatively short range. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to remind any patrons that the ZapMap premium codes have arrived. If you let me know whether you're running Android or iOS, I'll send the appropriate code and instructions out via the Patreon messaging system. Our main topic of discussion today is short-range driving and living with a short-range EV. In episode 110, we talked with a couple of drivers who've been in the EV sphere for a number of years. One of them, Greg, bought a 30 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf as his first electric car. Like my Kia Soul, the 30 kilowatt hour Leaf has a relatively short range, especially when compared to some of the newer cars available nowadays. With cars like the Ionic 5, the Kia EV6, the Nero, and the ID range of cars easily managing 200 or even 250 plus miles, he's tempted to think that short range cars aren't still a thing. But they are. As a cost cutting measure, some manufacturers are reducing the size of batteries in their newer models. This is reducing range. The E Mini, for example, has an EV database range of 115 miles. The Honda E has 105 miles. The Volkswagen E Up has 125 miles, and the Mazda MX 30 has a 105 mile range. The WLTP ranges on these cars are higher than this, but for everyday usage under various conditions, the range is given a more representative. Plus, if you're just venturing into the world of electric vehicles, you might consider getting a second-hand Leaf or a Kia Soul. This will mean your range is limited by the battery size. If you're buying a second-hand 24 kilowatt-hour Nissan Leaf, your range might be as little as 60 miles. If you're pooling around town doing the school run, heading to Morrison's or Asda, seeing friends, popping to the pub or a restaurant, then these sort of ranges are absolutely acceptable. But for longer journeys, this could become an issue. So how do you live with a car that has a short range? The answer is A, quite easily, and B, with a little bit of forethought and preparation. Way back in season two, I spoke with Neil Roberts, who was the man behind Sussex EVs, the EV Nexus, and was the proud owner of a 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf that he used to drive from his home on the south coast near Brighton all the way up to Yorkshire, a total of 235 miles. With a maximum range of about 90 miles and a usable range of about 70 when filled to 80%, it was an interesting trip. So how did he do it? Well, it was all about the planning and making sure he knew what the actual range was of his car. Initially, Neil was thinking of doing around five stops. He said they could do the trip with four, but that would mean spending longer at each charger. With five stops, they could charge quicker and actually end up with a quicker overall journey time. So for this journey, he stopped at Cobham Services, Milton Keynes Coachway, Leicester Forest East and Woodall Services. But he also made sure he kept his speed to a moderate level of around 60-62 miles an hour. And this has two benefits. It improves efficiency. It makes the trip less stressful. On that last topic, I'll just let Neil give you his chapter and verse on it. So we've been on the road for best part of five hours, probably a bit we more than We have been on the road for six hours. Six hours. Now... Almost exactly. Almost exactly six hours. I don't feel fatigued in, in the slightest. I, I, I could carry on all the way to Scotland. Uh, and the reason for that, I think, is that this journey has been split up into, into short chunks. And each chunk has been about a 20-minute stop where we could stretch our legs, get some fresh air. And it's made the whole journey so much nicer, so much more enjoyable, um, so much more relaxing. The link to the video he made of this trip is in the show notes and I recommend you take 15 minutes to watch it. One key thing to remember in this discussion 
is that different short-range cars will react differently to running low on charge. The Nissan Leaf 24kWh and 30kWh are notoriously forgiving when it comes to running them low. Friend of the podcast Jonathan Porterfield has taken numerous Nissan Leafs from the south of England all the way up to Shetland. He has videos of him arriving at a motorway service area with the turtle mode flashing, the battery indicator showing empty and the GOM showing three dashes. If that happened in my Kia, I'd be a little concerned. But for Jonathan, it's a case of knowing what the car is capable of doing. But the only way you can get to this state is to physically run your battery down really low. There are videos from Bjorn Nyland, Tesla Bjorn, who's tried runs from Oslo to Trondheim and runs some cars down to a low state of charge without knowing how they'll react. There's been more than one occasion when the GOM has shown 10 or so kilometres left, but suddenly dropped like a stone to show two or three kilometres over a matter of a few seconds. And when that happens, you need to make sure you're close to a charger. Sometimes you get away with it. Sometimes you'll need to call the rescue services. The good news is you'll usually only end up doing this once. After that, you'll get a much better view of how your car reacts to a low state of charge. Just as an aside, when it comes to a low state of charge, your car will never actually run completely out of charge. There will always be power left in what's called the bottom end buffer. The reason for this is because once you completely discharge the battery, it starts to remove some of the coatings on the internal structure of the battery, meaning it can never be recharged again. The bottom end buffer ensures this doesn't happen to maintain the battery health. What it will do is stop the car with something between 5 and 10% of the actual battery charge left. This is one of the reasons why certain cars have a specific battery size with a slightly smaller usable battery size. So what are the golden rules of running a low range EV? Well, number one, plan, plan, plan. If you're taking a trip outside the range of your car, make sure you know where the chargers are that you're going to use to charge. Find the units that are closer to you than the ones at the limit of your range. And then if these aren't available, you'll still have enough left in the battery to head to the next one. Don't ever leave it until you're right at the very end of the range to get to your, your charger. Number two, always be charging. Don't be afraid to stop and charge early. Cadence charging is something that many cars can take advantage of. Instead of running down to, say, 10 or 15% and then charging to 80%, why not stop earlier at, say, 30% and charge to 70 Due to the charge curve of most cars, you'll actually spend less time at the charger than you would if you were running lower and charging longer. It also means you can use charges that are available earlier on your journey rather than waiting until you're low on charge to find out your first char choice charger isn't free or isn't working. Number three, find the optimum charge speed for your car. Linked into the previous rule, this refers to finding charges which can give you the best charge speed in the quickest time. We've talked before on this podcast about charge curves. Each EV has one, and no two are similar. For many of the cars with lower range batteries, the charge will max out at around 50 kilowatts. This isn't a hard and fast rule, however. My Kia Soul charges at 80 kilowatt peak, so if you find a charger on your route that will charge higher than 50 kilowatts, this might help you speed up your charging. Even then, a lot of the cars that charge at 50 kilowatts maximum will charge a little quicker on, say, a 100 kilowatt charger than they will on a 50 kilowatt charger. The Leaf, for instance, is only supposed to charge up to 47 kilowatt maximum. There are, there are instances of people who've achieved ooh, 51 kilowatts from their Leaf on specific chargers. Either way, if the choice comes down to a 25 kilowatt alpha power charger versus a 50 kilowatt ABB, always go for the fastest charge you can. But if you're blocking a high power charger, make sure you follow rule two to ensure you don't block it for longer than you need to. Rule four, manage your battery. 
Personal experience has taught me that driving at 60 miles an hour rather than 70 miles an hour on motorways has two impacts. Firstly, it improves the efficiency of your car tremendously. And secondly, it means you arrive where you want to go only a few minutes later than you would if you were driving 70 miles an hour. And this is one of those little known secrets of managing range in an EV. Make sure you limit the stress on the motor. By stress, I mean the amount of work it has to do. If you accelerate quickly from a standing start, it stresses the motor. If you drive at 70 miles an hour and above, it stresses the motor. If you overtake a lot, it stresses the motor. Now, stressing the motor is not an issue in itself. They're all designed to work this way. But by stressing the motor, you are, by definition, pulling large power drains from the battery, and this reduces range. So instead, accelerate slowly from a stop. Accelerate slowly on the motorway to get to 60 miles an hour. In my car, it's 63 miles an hour because that's what it has to indicate to get an actual 60 miles an hour. Use regeneration to feed power back into your car. When Rob Shaw and I did our recent 1,000-kilometre trip around the charging wastelands, we found ourselves at the top of a hill in Wales with 106 miles left on the gob. Ten minutes later, when we reached the bottom of the hill, we found ourselves with 109 miles due to regen. If you're doing a lot of hill work, this can make a huge difference. Number five, charge and go. There's a temptation in a small battery vehicle to try and squeeze as much charge into it as possible. Oh, it's just 24 kilowatt hour leaf. It won't take long to add that extra few percent, you'll think. Don't do this. It will take as long to get from 80 to 100% as it did to get from 0 to 80%. The charge curve of the car is going to make sure of that. And I know you'll get an extra 5 or 10 miles out of that 20%, but the length of time it'll take you to reach 100% state of charge is far greater than it would take you to drive for an hour and then add that extra 20% when your battery's discharged a bit. Plus, you don't end up blocking charges for other users. For smaller battery vehicles, the mantra is charge little, charge often. Of course, there's a downside to this. If you stop at a motorway service area and you charge up on your long distance journey, the chances are that you're going to pop in and grab either food or coffee or similar each time you stop. Over time, this can increase your waistline and decrease your bank balance. You have to be strong though mentally to avoid this. Although I must admit my resolve has weakened from time to time. Prior to lockdown, the majority of the driving I did was to go to and from work. I work in an industry that tends to be quite mobile in terms of where the work actually is. In a given week, I could be doing between 100 and 300 miles of travel just in a commute, more so if I'm on a five-day-per-week job. In the two years I had the car prior to lockdown, I never found myself in a situation where I couldn't find a charger or needed help to get back home. With very few exceptions, I was able to travel to the work location completely within the range of the car, and then prior to returning, or en route back home, I would find a nearby rapid charger, drop in for 15 minutes or so, then continue on my way. Once home, I filled up using the home's electricity, ready for the following day's journey. Would a longer range car have made a difference? Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons my new car will have a minimum 200 mile range under all circumstances. But was it a deal breaker that I could only do 105 to 130 miles depending on the weather? Absolutely not. Nor should it be for you. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. New York City is planning to buy over $12 million worth of Tesla Model 3s. The Department of Citywide Administrative Services of the City of New York is currently in the process of allocating $12.3 million to buy a set of cars to be used within that department. Depending on the spec, that will get them around 260 Tesla Model 3s. Not huge in terms of Tesla sales, but getting cars like this into New York City public departments is a way of raising the profile of EVs as well as reducing overall costs. 
We know from the reports in the UK that Tesla police cars are rapidly being seen as fit for purpose and cost effective. The recent update highlighted comments such as, after 15,000 miles, the only maintenance has been brakes and tyres. No annual service schedules mean minimal running costs, time off the road, and competitive total cost of ownership. Great to see the public services embracing EVs. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by Zapmap. Zapmap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. Zapmap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using Zapmap in-car on CarPlay or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Many thanks to Neil Roberts for allowing me to use the audio from his 24kWh leaf strip to slough it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? Well, if you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. That's ko-fi.com slash evmusings, and it takes Apple Pay. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p equivalent and is a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it around, let other people know about it. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You might even think about leaving a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks to everybody who's already done that. If you've reached this part of the podcast and you're still listening, thank you. I know not many people do, so for those of you who do, I really appreciate it. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingsEV with the words forethought and preparation, hashtag if you know you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, he's a big fan of those bead-covered seat backs that taxi drivers have. You know the ones. They align the base in the back of the seat and they've got wooden beads all over them. It gives you sort of a mini massage and it allows air to pass through and stop perspiration. He says the difference since installing one is phenomenal. And it's made the whole journey so much nicer. Thanks for listening. Bye.